Touchdown! Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs. And we're a little late this week, or later than usual, because we wanted to wait till we got through the second preseason game. Uh, and the Chiefs obviously played the Washington Commanders on Saturday and figured it was better to, to wait a day or two, um, you know, and react off that game than, than preview, uh, a, a, you know, what is a, a game that it don't count in the standings, Nick. Um, but, uh, you know, don't tell Andy Reid that, right? Like, uh, he's he's still mad that they lost in Chicago. I'm, I'm, you know, it is what it is. I'm not too worried about it right now. So, you know, um, as long as they win at the end of the year, that's all that matters. But here's the thing: like, I, I, I don't care who wins or loses. Like, I, I don't care that Baltimore's won, you know, a million straight preseason games. It doesn't matter. I've seen teams go winless in the in the preseason, go on to win the Super Bowl. I've seen teams go you know, go perfect in the preseason and then go, you know, two and 14 in the regular season. So the results don't matter. I will say that it is hard not to be impressed with what this offense um, and and the defense have done um, when the first team units have been out there, man, like in Chicago and against Washington. um, Look, as far as I'm concerned with the Green Bay game, like don't risk anybody, man, like you're in a good spot. I know you want to keep them a little bit sharp because you got, you know, more than two weeks off before the first game. But um, staying healthy is all that matters on Thursday because I've seen enough from the first string offense and the first string defense to feel pretty comfortable going into the season. How about you? Yeah, no, that, I mean, practice is where they're going to get their reps for the next two weeks. Like, you don't, you don't need any of the starters on Thursday or anybody that you're genuinely going to be utilizing once I play the Cardinals in two, in a little bit over two, two, two and a half weeks. So, no, you don't worry about that stuff right now. I mean, there's no, just, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you got a little bit over two weeks now. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, it's, it's fine. Get Juju Smith Schuster healthy, get McCole Hardman healthy, uh, get Chris Jones uh, as healthy as you can with the back spasms and, that's an alarming word to hear. They starting to have back issues, yeah. and once that happens, it's yeah, normally yeah, three man. years before they, uh, before they might be out of the league or they're really struggling in their shell of their former self. So that uh, that was that was not welcome to hear that because you know that that clock is ticking at that point, and it happens to most offense and defensive linemen because of the the wear and tear of the of that position and just how much you jolt and punch one another, and how much you take, how much hand fighting you have, and just how much absorption your back takes over the years so i mean i'm not surprised one bit that that's the case yeah i mean just think about mitchell schwartz don terry poe d ford uh you know there's a long list of offensive and defensive linemen who start getting those back issues and are never quite the same again um you know so so you hope it's nothing serious for for chris jones i mean in the past it's been like wrist issues groin issue that kind of thing um, yeah, you start hearing back. Yeah. Like you said, that's when you start getting really nervous about what that means for his future, but I, I, hopefully he'll be all right this year. And I think they're in, we'll get to the defense in a little bit. Cause I, I do, I, I'm, I kind of, I'm comfortable with the defensive line and the rotation. I think they're going to have there, but I want to start with, you know, there's two spots of intrigue. I want to get your opinion on with the offense. First of all, the running back situation, um, I mean, look, Clyde Edwards-Lair, Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco, I think are clearly on on the roster. 
Do you see a pecking order being established with those guys? And do you give Ronald Jones any chance of making this 53 man roster? Um, I think my pecking order is probably different than what the coaching staffs will be, but we'll see how the rotation with the committee will go because that offense is different when Jer- Jerick McKinnon's got the ball in his hands. Like the, that's what makes that offense go because he runs decisively, he cuts and he goes, he's ex- he accelerates quickly, and he doesn't leave any chance, any room for error. I mean, he just has no hesitation once the football is in his hands and he runs with an attitude. Clyde Edwards-Alaire does not. Clyde Edwards-Alaire now is still the same player he was three years ago. Doesn't have the vision, can't find the cutback lanes. When the offensive line is knocking people off the ball, like two to three yards and sometimes four yards, especially on the interior because of how strong and stout they are together collectively, and Clyde's struggling to get two or three yards and find that cutback lane that's a gap or two over, like that's a that's a him problem. And like, the, you know, you're, you're in year four of the league. I, I mean, my, the reality is I don't think it's getting fixed. Like, I think he's the guy you get out in the flats, you get in screen passes, and that's just that's just who that guy is going to be during his time in the league. And so, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate that it is what it is, but, I mean, that's, that's just kind of – and he might be year three now I think about it because he had COVID, so this is year three. But, yeah. again, I mean, he should be further along than where he's at. Doesn't mean he's not a good pass protector. He does a good job there, as does McKinnon. And then with a guy like Pacheco, I, I think the hype train got a little too – little too big once you start comparing him to kareem hunt nationally that just, <laughs> right that just takes off at that point but i haven't i haven't seen enough from him yet to say on a consistent basis that you know this this is their this is their feature back this is the guy that they go with i mean he's 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 a solid pass protector he's doing a good job there whenever i got to see the drills up at camp and he's you know he catches well out of the out of the backfield and he's got good contact balance but at the end of the day right now like it, it's going to take him eight nine ten weeks to figure it out so I mean, that's just not something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not banking on. I'm not like, hey, this is this is the guy. This is the guy that's gonna do the thing. I mean, right now that's McKinnon, and like you said with Ronald Jones, look, I mean, Ronald Jones, I'm, I hate to say it this way, but he he just didn't look in shape up at camp as well as he could have. He didn't look ex- as explosive as he was coming out of Tennessee, um, or USC. I can't remember one of the right from the yeah. So he came out of USC. There's someone that came out of Tennessee around that time too. Um, might have been Kamara. Now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, Alvin Kamara was Tennessee. Uh, I think they're around the same time around that area. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it's it's just like it's not you know Ronald Jones just isn't. He's just not that back that he was in college, and he struggled catching catching the pass out of the backfield whenever they were running some of those drills. He struggled with that. Uh, he's a big power back that they have to run between the tackles and do. Hey, this is your gap. You run through this gap. If you do that, he's fine. But they try to run too many stretch runs and too much zone with him, and and he it, it just you know he's he's not a he's not an east west back. He's north south go like and and that's just a short yardage situation type running back. And so I just the way they're using him, his skill set doesn't fit in the scheme. Doesn't mean it can't somewhere else, but he's going to have to be more of a power run scheme. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to be changing from what I've seen up at camp to be more powerful in the run game, which you're hoping down the road they learn from because if they were that in Cincinnati, they're playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, and I, I think he's, yeah, you're right. He does. He doesn't really fit the scheme very well. And I think you've, you can, you can use Burton and Pacheco to just bang up the middle in those short yardage situations. Burton's shown that he can do it. You know, they've run the, you know, the, the, the wildcat with the tight end or, or guys like that, you know, or, or sometimes a wide receiver. I, I think they've got options for those short yardage backs and I don't think Ronald Jones has found a spot on the team 
And I think with Pacheco, you see some of the same issues that you had with Clyde Edwards-Solaire, right? Where you want him to, to, to have a little bit better vision when he's running between the tackles and things like that. But I think what you're hoping is that unlike Clyde Edwards-Solaire, Isaiah Pacheco can start to develop and can start to figure that out um, in ways that, that Edward Solaire hasn't so far during his career in the league. And then, you know, that means when, when Edward Solaire is due for a second contract, you can kind of move on, not overpay at that spot. You've already got another guy who can replicate what Clyde Edward Solaire does there. Um, you know, and maybe you, you take another mid to late round flyer on a running back, um, you know, down the road or, or bring someone in that you think, uh, you know, on a, on a cheap deal that you think could, could be a better fit for the system. The only reason I, I, I worry about Jarek McKinnon being the feature back is his durability. Look, you can say the same thing about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, right? Like he hasn't shown that he's super durable, but if I want to keep one guy healthy for the end of the year in the playoffs, it's probably McKinnon more than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So if Edwards Hilaire takes a beating early in the season and you see how long you can go with them until the injuries catch up with him, I'm not going to like lose, lose my mind over that because I want Jarek McKinnon to be healthy in late November, December, early January, and on into the playoffs, assuming the chiefs make it because I think he is the best and most explosive option. And I want him to be there for game 16, 17, and maybe 18, 19, 20, right. Uh, rather than game one, two, three, four. So if, if that's the way they go and if that's the way they see it and they overuse Clyde Edwards Hilaire early to save some tread on the tire for McKinnon, I'm going to be okay with that too. Well, but here's where I'm, I'm off to counter you a little bit on this is that those first 13 weeks, <laughs> it sounds weird to say, but in those first 13 weeks, I mean, you know, you're going against Arizona, you're going against the Chargers, the Colts, sure. the Bucks, the Raiders, the Bills, the 49ers, the Titans. You know, you, you got a little break with the Jaguars. Then you got the Chargers, the Rams, the Bengals again. Like, it, it doesn't lighten up for the Chiefs in terms of ability of the offenses they're facing or the teams that they're facing and, until early December. So, I mean, I'm not saying you have to run him into the ground. I'm not saying you have to, you know, give him 30 touches a game. Like, I mean, that's why I think there's going to have more of a committee than just one feature back, one guy that they're going with the entire time. Yeah. But, I mean... You know, since you don't have that feature back, when you need certain certain times for your offense to get a spark, that's where McKinnon's going to have to be that guy for you from a run game perspective. Well, and, and you know, I would also say, like, if you think back to the Super Bowl season, you know, it took him till the second half, and that's when they really took off and got on their run. You look at last year, they were sitting there three and four coming out of Tennessee, um, and, and then they, they took off and, you know, in uh, late, late October on through November, December. So I'm not one who tends to overreact to that early season stretch. Like I think this team has shown that once they get it right, they really get it right. And they can, they can make up ground now. I mean, look, obviously if the chargers or, or Raiders or, you know, you know, if Russell Wilson rides on up to a seven and zero start, like, you know, I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a different story if they dig too big a hole, but um I'm probably not going to overreact to uh, one or two early season losses because this team has shown that they don't, they don't panic. And, and I know that the second half of the season, they're going to be able to make up some of that ground a little bit if they need to, uh, or at least you hope that they can, can replicate what they've done in the past. But I do think there's one other spot on, 
uh, on the offense that's probably the most glaring. I know running back gets talked about a lot, but I think they've got a lot of darts they can throw at that position and try to get production. Um, right tackle, though, how big a concern is that? We saw a holding penalty uh, from Andrew Wiley. We've seen, you know, we know what he is. He's a, he's a guard that's kind of miscast as a tackle. Um, and he is replacement level. You know, some people might think he's a little bit above average, a little bit below, but he's a fairly average kind of guy at that spot. Lucas Niang. I mean, I, there's no buzz that he's coming back. He's going to be healthy. He's going to be able to contribute. So what do they do there? Because, you know, Roderick Johnson, Jaron Christian, I mean, I'm not sure that they have a, a guy that's going to displace Andrew Wiley on the roster. Uh, how big a concern is that right tackle spot for you? Oh, it's it's the biggest concern for me on that uh on that offense right now. Like that right tackle is going to be a problem for him. Like, and that's not disrespect to Andrew Wiley. He's going to do the best to his ability, and like, I mean, he'll perform to at least an average, if not above average, level. Like, that's <clears throat> that's who that guy's going to be. But I mean, the re- the the bigger problem becomes if there's even one injury on that offensive line. But starting offensive line, if there's an injury, unless it's at left guard, and then where Allegretti can fill in in that spot, there's not enough depth, quality depth there to really maintain what they are as an offensive line right now. I mean, Austin Ryder can fill in, but he's not going to be as good as Creed Humphrey. Yeah, I was going to say, are you, you know? saying there's a drop-off from Creed to Austin Ryder? <laughs> I'm saying you got you got six <laughs> offensive linemen that you can that you can work with right now and and, and stay where you're at, but there the thought that kind of pops in my head and i know people aren't going to like it but if they start having problems early on in the year at the right tackle position i would not be against them moving joe joe tooney to right tackle making wiley the backup and allegretti starts at left guard like i mean that that doesn't hurt the offense that actually makes the offense better and i know people may keep saying well hey you don't why why do you keep wanting to move tooney because allegretti shouldn't be sitting on the bench like, I mean, that's the reality. Like, you, you have, if you put him at left guard and you have Tooney at right tackle, you have a, actually a much better offensive line than what people realize. So, I mean, Orlando is going to be who he's going to be. We'll see how he does as the year goes along. He's lost some weight. He's gotten a little quicker, but we'll see what he's able to, if he's able to maintain what at least the level he was at or do a little bit better. And if he's able to earn the $25 million a year that he allegedly potentially might want. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we'll see how that works out. But I'm, I'm telling you, like, I mean, could they use a, another backup guard? Could they use backup tackles? Yeah, they need backup tackles. Uh, that's their number one thing that they need on that offense. That's the, And there's we'll talk about number two a little bit later. But, yeah, backup tackles, they're going to need to be scouring other rosters to find somebody that can do that. Or if desperate times call for desperate measures, Maybe you have to see if you can sign Eric Fisher and put and see since he's one of the few guys that out there in the market that knows that offense and would understand it and knows Andy Heck and knows Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Maybe he's a guy that has to come in as either a backup tackle or potentially start, you know, trying to see if he can continue his career at right tackle. Yeah, and that that's where I mean, look, I and we'll see how the season goes along, but it sure looks like um Brett Veach, you know. Hall had a pretty nice haul in that, in this draft class, but the one area where it hasn't panned out is Darian Kennard. You were hoping the chiefs certainly were hoping that he could maybe be that backup right tackle, maybe even push challenge uh, Andrew Wiley for the starting job. Uh, it clearly hasn't happened. 
Uh, I think he's still going to land on the roster because I still think they like him um, and they're going to want to keep him around. And I don't know they're going to be able to sneak him through on the practice squad. Uh, but I don't know that I'd count on him being uh, of any use to the team this year. Um, and so that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to see how it develops. Cause I do think that that is the one area that is pretty glaring, you know, where it, it's not a plus position for the chiefs in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, that's unfortunate about Kennard right now. He's he's got a ways to go developmental play tackle. That's why whenever I had him in that draft, the draft board I did, I had him at guard. Yeah. Because he had the chance to be a Pro Bowl guard. It was going to take some time, but he had the opportunity and he just he's really struggling to tackle. No matter how long he plays it, I don't know if he's gonna have the foot quickness and be able to have the the speed out there on the edge to be able to handle the bull rushes he's been getting against some of the other Chiefs defensive ends. Well, it, honestly, it reminds it reminds me a little bit of Andrew Wiley as a young player when he came to the Chiefs. He was had the ability to be a quality guard. He showed that he was the the Chiefs, you know, rookie of the year in what eighteen, I think. Um, you know, when he got when he got when he got put in there at right guard uh, and played pretty well, and then he got forced out to right tackle, and he's just a little bit overmatched when he when he's you know got all the space to his right out there. I think it's it, similar situation with Kennard. He's just, um, you know, uh, but like I, you know, like you said, I mean, maybe as the season where it goes along, he'll, you know, he'll get cross trained a little bit more at guard. And if they need the help there, um, you know, he'd be a, an option. Um, so I, I do think that Jody Fortson's emergence, especially with Blake bell, not knowing how long he might be down. Um, Jody Fortson coming back and, and being, uh, you know, uh, picking up where he left off before the injury last year is, is a is a positive, positive thing for that Chiefs offense, too. Yeah, as long as he's able to stay healthy, he gives the Chiefs another athletic receiving option. And then, um, and like, I mean, he can block, he can, you know, he can he can be the big body tight end in the middle there. He can work on the short and under, you know, short and intermediate routes and really kind of be able to give Mahomes yet another weapon that can mismatch against safeties and, be able to use his body and high point passes. So he, he can help him out. Uh, like I said, as long as he stays healthy, he can help out that offense a great deal. They could have used him last year. just like they could have used a number two receiver named Juju Smith Schuster signing with him instead yeah. of in Pittsburgh. And then that offense would have been in a lot better shape and we wouldn't have talked about it in the way that we did, but you well, know, that's just, this is how injuries worked out and how decisions work out. And so that, <clears throat> that's how that situation, but um, Noah Gray's really come on strong. He's really shown an athletic ability that he didn't show at Duke. He's really starting to really understand that offense, and he's really taking that next step in, in his career, and he actually looked good in some of the pass protection drills that I saw. So his year one to year two, really impressive. Just a different player. So, I mean, the Chiefs are in much better position at the tight end spot if Kelsey, you know, needs a game off or if Kelsey has – an injury that occurs or if Kelsey needs some reduced snaps, like they're in a much better position with the tight end situation now than, than they were this time last year and definitely the year before. And one great thing about Fortson, and you saw it in the preseason game, Patrick Mahomes trusts him in the red zone. Yeah. And that's one area where everybody talks about the deep ball, the speed, his ability to track and things like that with Tyreek Hill. But 26 of his 56 touchdowns in his six seasons with the Chiefs came in the red zone. Tyreek Hill was a big red zone weapon for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. And even going back to Alex Smith, you know, I mean, almost half of his touchdowns came in the red zone. 
And so that's an area where it hasn't been discussed as much, but that's an area where finding someone to re replace that production, uh, I think is just as important when you talk about the chiefs moving on from Tyreek Hill. And if Jody Fortson can provide that, um, so, you know, it doesn't matter whether it comes from an, it doesn't have to be another receiver. It, it could be Jarek McKinnon. It could be Jody Fortson. It could be any, you just need somebody that Mahomes trusts relies on and can go to and who can, who knows how to get open in tight space, um, you know, and maneuver in, in those close quarters. Fortson has proven that he can do that. Uh, he proved it last year. He proved it so far in the preseason at training camp. And so that that's one of the things that was, was nice to see coming out of that preseason game that, that makes me feel like this offense is, is going to be in pretty darn good shape. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not tight end positions. One of the few spots I am, <laughs> I will, I will not be worried about for the foreseeable future unless they have just a rash of injuries, then, you know, that turns into a problem. But yeah. long-term, they, they look they look significantly promising. And I'll say this. Like, I know people are like, oh, man, Juju Smith-Schuster's missed time with, you know, the Steelers. Now he's missing time with this knee injury. I don't get the sense that the knee injury is a big deal. And it wasn't – it's not a knee that he's dealt with. Like, last year it was a shoulder, and he had surgery on it, and he missed time with it. I don't think this is a situation. And I could be proven – I could have to eat these words. But I don't think this is a situation where, um, you know, where this is a guy who's going to be in and out of the lineup, a la Sammy Watkins, um, who you couldn't count on, you know, week to week, um, you know, and for certain stretches of the season to be available. Uh, at least I hope that's not the case. But I also think the depth at wide receiver is better on this team um, than it was even the Super Bowl season. So I think they're in a better position to to weather that, even if some guys miss some time this year. Yeah, I mean, the situation of receiver and just in terms of the passing offense in general, Patrick Mahomes trusts Juju Smith-Schuster the same way he trusts Kelsey. Like those two are all those those two are on the same page as Mahomes. Justin Watson has gotten there when it was it was before yeah. the preseason game. It's just everybody else got to see what was going on up at training camp and in some of their offseason drills. Oh, yeah. Even back to OTAs, you could see Watson making plays. So, I mean, those those are three guys, he knows he can rely on on top of Jarek McKinnon. And Fortson. So now you're at five five guys that he trusts, including Fortson. And whether they're different scenarios or whatever, the more players you have that see things the same way as Patrick Holmes does and on the same page with him, the better that offense becomes. And Sky Moore's working his way through that. And it may take middle of the year, it may take the entire year. But Sky Moore, I'm gonna be blunt, in, in a year, probably two years, he's gonna be the Chiefs' best receiver. That's yeah. the reality of what he's gonna be, where his trajectory is right now. So I mean. Sky is going to be integral in this offense. Probably, I think he's going to be where people envision him right now. I think that's where he'll be, like week nine and on. He'll yeah. start really getting a feel for this offense and really kind of take off into who he's going to become and who I think he's going to become from watching him. Now, the two players that are still trying to get on the same page with them, in my opinion, McCole Hardman in year four, <laughs> right. and Marquez Valdez Scantling, and you know, and uh. You know, we'll, we'll see about us Gantling what how that one ends up. I hope I said his first name right. I get paranoid every Mar time. Marquez. 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 Yeah, Marquez. I get it. I get it. Just go MBS. You can't. It's hard. It's hard to mess up MBS. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> I'm very. I, I try to be very aware of that, but I still fall into old patterns on the on the first name with that one. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, you know, because there was a couple. There was two touchdowns they missed yesterday, and. You know, if one of those happens, then I think it really elevates that confidence level for for both of them, and I think it takes it to 
where they just keep working with it and then, and then they get to a good point. But right now, I those those are the two that one, if they can get on the same page with with Mahomes, then I think that offense goes to a whole nother level of what people are envisioning. But right now, those are the two that are still, in my opinion, working through it with Mahomes to see things the same way he does and then anticipate one another and and that aspect of it. And if that happens, then the you know the two basically the two speedsters they'll you know they'll be in a good situation with him so it'll it'll be interesting we'll see how it ends up shaking out but i mean like you know that one there was that one yesterday man if he turns it up a little bit quicker where Mahomes is anticipating like that well the zero the zero coverage where he had a step on the the slot corner there yeah if he just gets a little bit man like that's a that's a long touchdown run right there yeah and i look i mean i you 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 would rather see them be on the same page after the time they spent together, stuff like that. But I also kind of like seeing that in the preseason because I think that's a teachable moment where, uh, you know, Mahomes and the, the Chiefs offensive coaching staff can uh, can help Marquez Valdez-Scantling learn from it um, and, and get on the same page. And it may be a situation where Patrick starts to trust him in certain situations, certain routes, certain looks. And they have to slowly develop that chemistry, but it's a long season. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think there's incentive there since he's the, the off season acquisition, they signed to a three-year deal to make sure they get it figured out as they go along. Um, and so I, I would think they would, but speaking of wide receivers, I think is the six wide receiver, you know, assuming they keep six, right. I, cause, cause there's five guys they're keeping, right. MVS, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman, and Justin Watson, I think, are locks. Those five wide receivers will be on the 53-man roster, uh, you know, when, when it's announced in a couple of weeks. There's probably going to be a sixth receiver. You know, Darius Fountain, Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, is that the most intriguing position to kind of keep an eye on in terms of special teams usage or or, you know, how they look just running routes and making plays in Thursday's game against Green Bay? I think special teams will decide a lot of that part of it um, with those three guys. And, I mean, Gordon doesn't really play a special team, so, like, mm-hmm. that's that's where you would hope Watson – in his case, you would want Watson to play more of that if uh, that would be the case because, I mean, Josh Gordon got 27 snaps in the game uh, from Saturday, and – you know, Corey Coleman got 25, but Gordon played no special teams. Corey Coleman played four snaps on special teams. And then when you look at Fountain, let's see if I can find Fountain here. Fountain only had 14 snaps on offense, but he had seven on special teams. So, and I'll, I'll add those up together on my off days because, you know, I'm, I'm sick and twisted and like to do work. Um, it's, you know, it's just, that's just a burden. Okay. I got OCD. So when I have something on my yeah. mind, I got to complete it. That's just, you know, this is what I do. But, yeah, I think Fountain's got the leg up on them in terms of special teams. I think Coleman's kind of the happy medium to where he can play special teams, but he has athletic ability, while Gordon's purely offense. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. It doesn't seem like, you know, we talk about MBS and, and the MVP not being on the same page. It doesn't seem like he and Gordon have, have found that chemistry on the field either. Um, you know, and, and I think – you know, like you said, it, Justin Watson can play special teams, but as as good a rapport as he has and as productive as he's been at camp, in practice, and, and when they've gotten into these preseason games, I think you would want to 
have a, the sixth guy be the special teams guy and use Justin Watson in the offense more. So I, I, I agree. I think Darius Fountain has probably has the leg up because, you know, he's a guy that has the most special teams value um, and not, not, not necessarily in the, in a return game, uh, but he's got the most special teams value as a gunner in coverage on kickoff and, and things like that. And so I would give him the, the leg up right now. I'd say the six guy is probably going to be Darius Fountain. Yeah. And I think it's time for us to move on to defense here. If we want to get through all your topics, quick Todd. Right, right, right. No lightning I mean, round. Um, well, I look defensive line. I, I think there's two positions where you're still, you're still looking at like, I mean, I, there's some question who's going to, you know, do, do you like Jermaine Carter or Darius Harris as the, the fifth linebacker, if you're going to keep a fifth linebacker, but it's the cornerback spot and the defensive line. Um, first of all, like when you see George Karloff, this like bull rush, a guy back spin off a double team and then just motor his way to get a sack. Like, do you get pretty darn excited about what he could be just based on his power and his motor, um, you know, and contributing to this defensive line this year? What I'm going to say, people are going to take negative, but it's not. <laughs> I promise. What Carlottis is going to have to figure out here in the first half of his NFL season is you can't power rush every single tackle you're going to play in the NFL like you could in college. When he can get away with it with some of the tackles he's playing against in the first couple of preseason games, and he can get away with it based on effort. But, and don't get me wrong, the sack that he, the, both the sacks that he's had have been purely on effort and desire and hustle. Like that's, that's where he's, that's where he shines. But he's, he's got to understand you get that jolt like he can. Maybe you do a power, you know, a couple steps, but then you got to figure out a way to disengage, get your hands off of him, and get to the backfield. So once he learns that part of it, which Frank Clark's been trying to mentor him on, and so is Jones and all the other guys, once he gets to that point, you're going to see a whole different type of rusher that can get back in the backfield a lot more than he than he already is now. So, I mean, he and that's a learning process for him, so that's not a knock on him. That's just the part of the growth that he's taken from college in the NFL. But I'm telling you, once he gets there, people are going to love what he can be as a rusher. I think Furious George can get one against Kelvin Beecham in the opener, though. <laughs> like You hope so. That's not one of those right tackles that I'm like, oh, man, he might struggle against them. Uh, but I think the defensive tackle is one place. Like, like Carl Loftus is on the roster, right? Defensive tackle is one area where they, they haven't played Danny Shelton in the, the preseason. Good. No, um, save him. But I was going to say, I think you and I both, like, after seeing what he could do up at camp or, like, well, that dude's on the roster. Like they need yeah. that space eating like monster that can routinely take on double teams and not get blown off the ball. He may not be a guy who gets in the backfield a lot. Doesn't he may to. not even be a guy who penetrates a lot, but he's a guy who is going to make it easier for Chris Jones, George Karloftis and Frank Clark to get in the backfield and to penetrate because of just, he's just a mammoth human. I mean, it's insane how big he is. Even when you compare him, to other massive humans in that defensive line room. Yeah, it's tough to appreciate until you see it in person. Like, I mean, you can't on video, but when you see it in person and when you're standing, you know, less than 10 feet away from him, you're like, oh, my goodness, man. Like, I mean, it's just impressive. Like, the athletic ability he has for his size is really, really impressive. And with somebody like him, like you said, like, hey, guess what happens? Nobody runs inside zone anymore when Danny Shelton's in the game. Yeah, that's gone. You don't run a gap to a gap anymore. You may not run B gap to B gap with him and Chris Jones together. 
So now you become one dimensional to where you're running off tackle or to the perimeter when those two are in the game together. And you so got that's a couple easier. fast linebackers filling the alleys right. and those so, safeties coming up. So it's you, all to the advantage of the Chiefs. So, and then on top of that, whenever it's pass rushing downs, no, you don't need Danny Shelton to be a pass rusher. You need that dude to play a game called I'm going to occupy blocks. Whether it's two or three, Chris Jones is now getting the one, and Chris Jones is now getting the single. Carl Loftus is getting the single block. Uh, Frank Clark's getting the single block. Mike Mike Dana's getting the single block. Doesn't matter. They're all getting single blocks, and guess what happens on top of that? Steve Spagnuolo brings one of his blitzes. You're done. It's ball game. It's over. So, I mean, that's what Danny Shelton brings to this defense, and that's what we talked about in another podcast. You needed a one-tech that could take up blocks, and that's what they've needed in the scheme. That's what Mike Pennell was able to do a couple years ago, but that's what Danny Shelton does in a way that they haven't had on this roster in, in since Don Terry Poe. And like that's who that guy is in some ways. And look, forget the fact that he's a first round pick. Don't expect him to be Aaron Donald or anything like that. He is what he is, right? It doesn't matter that he was the number 12 pick or whatever it was. Just look at him for what he is, right? Like he's a mountain of a man who has one job. It's not even to it's not necessarily to get tackles. It's not he's his stats are almost irrelevant as long as he's eaten up those double teams those triple teams and not getting pushed back at the point of attack. If he's doing that, he's earning his paycheck week after week, and he's doing exactly what that defense needs. And then on top of it, if they have to keep people in the block because Chris Jones is tearing them up and somebody, you know, in a tight end can't go out on a pass catch, catch up, that's two less options that the secondary has to cover with rookies. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it, it's a win across the board as long as Danny Shelton can stay healthy and, probably and ideally get 30 snaps a game and rotate in with whether it's Derek Naughty or your your buddy Colin uh, Saunders my my future future pro bowler Colin Saunders uh, look man I there were times especially when they brought Shelton in I was worried but about Saunders place on the team but he's just such an athletic freak Nick I just I if he can ever unlock it all and not make you know dumb penalties where he pushes guys in the throat um, after Deion Bush blows up a, a, a receiver. Um, I just, I, I'm, I can't quit. He's like, he's like, he's like Alberto Mondesi. Like I, I see the potential and I just, I'm not willing to give up on it yet, Nick. I just can't. Well, fun fact. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo is either. <laughs> when I see him go over there and deliberately fist bump him and walk by some of the other defensive linemen, or I'm up at camp. I'm like, he's going to do everything he can to keep that guy on the he, roster. He's got some special athletic. He's got things you cannot coach, right? Like there are just some things. If you can ever unlock it, if Joe, Cole, if he takes to Joe Cullen's teachings and he can figure it out and stay healthy, I think that he can be. Uh, that I, I think him and Chris Chris Jones together with their their quickness, their ability to slice between gaps and and penetrate up the middle could be ridiculous. Um, you know, it, it, at times. Um, and the, I, and that's where you bring up the point where Saunders, if he can become a rotational pass rusher, he he that's where his role is. To where yeah. maybe he doesn't take injuries on rundowns. And he can pin his ears back and be a rusher with Chris Jones and with Tershawn Wharton, and maybe that's where his wheelhouse is. Or maybe if because I, I never saw him try him at end when I was up there, but I'd be curious to see what he could do in that in some rotations. I, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm just he's saying more athletic than Mike Dana, I think. Oh yeah, no, there's no dispute. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, I, yeah, and 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 that's the other thing is like they don't have another like I mean they have Dunlap and we'll see what he can be. I think he's still getting back into football condition from what I saw, but he's got long arms that can bat down passes. But and he's like, he's got a he's got a veteran bag of tricks to pull from. Yeah. So I mean, but with with somebody 
they don't have that other rusher that if Frank Clark gets hurt, they don't have another athletic speed guy around the edge right now. And that's my second concern for that, uh, that roster is if a guy becomes available out there because, you know, Kamara, the, the um, Azure from Kamara. K, yeah, the, the thing I got from KU, I, I would like to see him on practice squad because I saw some of the speed there, but he's also like 238, 240 tops. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, you know, like there's just not another guy, him and Clark are the two fastest that are not named Chris Jones on that, you know, on that defensive line. And Malik Herring plays some D tackle, plays some DN, got quick hands, but he's not really putting it together right now as a pass rusher. And I don't know what he can do on special teams. So all those questions combined, like, you know, there's just, they, they could, if a, if another edge rusher becomes available on the market, like I would not be against it. Well, and I, I think it's going to have to come by trade because the Chiefs are so far down in, in the pecking order um, as far as waiver claims. Hey, Todd, veterans get released too, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it, yeah, it, it could down the road. I just think, uh, um, you know, for some of those positions, they may have to try to work out a swap like a, a Parker anger for, for Charveris Ward type. Right, Todd lightning round time. We're running out of time. Your well, kid's waiting on you. La- last question. I want to don't to- disappoint your kid, Todd. Yeah, no, I know he, we got to, I don't know. We're on a deadline. Cause Todd's kids wanting to, wanting to do something. We got to watch time. an episode of Wilford or something. Um, and he's got to get, start going to school earlier because you know, um, school starts for him this week. Cause we're in Missouri and they, uh, you know, don't get to start until like, you know, close to Labor Day. See Todd, you just robbed your kid even more right there. By saying I know, that I know, sentence. I know. Um, I'm, I'm the you know, father of the year over here, but I did want to talk real quick about cornerback, um, or, or at least the secondary, um, one has Joshua Williams impressed you more than Trent McDuffie, uh, in the preseason games and up at camp. I mean, do you think that they might've struck gold with both those guys? I think, I think whenever Dave merits your coach, you're always going to do well. Like, yeah. like that dude, the dude just, you know, you're a cornerback, you're a cornerback, you're a cornerback. This is what Dave merits able to do. Cause he's just such a, such a good coach. And like he, he's made so many of those guys in, into what they are. And like he, de- you know, helped develop Sneed. He helped develop Fenton. And, you know, he's helped develop Warren Thornhill to a certain extent. So, I mean, you know, it's just like he's going to do it with Josh Williams, too. It's just the, what, what people are enamored with with Josh Williams is they didn't realize how long his arms were. Yeah. Like his, his arm length is what, you know, it's what Steve Spagnuolo wants in the scheme. And they have that available. And that's what shines in that scheme. So he's able to make that work. And, for Trent McDuffie, I mean, people have higher expectations of him, and it's you know he's gonna get he's some you know Jamar Chase is gonna jump ball him if they go yep. against each oh, other. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But McDuffie over time is gonna end up being what what they draft him for in an ideal world. And with Dave Merida's coach, I'm not worried about that. If if he had some other people as his coach, I'd be like, you know, I don't I don't know. But and you know, we'll see with Jalen Watson. He's very athletic, and I'm curious to see what Watson does on special teams and what his reps end up. Uh, end up being at the end of it and then uh, Naze Johnson I mean he's athletically he can play corner and safety he's a developmental guy down the road here but that last corner spot like you and I were talking about before we started the pod that's that's going to be really really interesting what they end up doing with that what what you and I think is going to be the sixth cornerback spot yeah I mean I, I think I think Watson has has shown more than Johnson um, in terms of ability to contribute this year so I've got I've got him on the 53 man I think it comes down to, do, do you like Nazi Johnson enough, or do you think that he needs some developmental time? And, and can you sneak him on through waivers and on the practice squad um, in favor of a guy like Chris Lamonts, who you know is a proven special teams guy? Um, or does DiCaprio Boodle, DiCap, yeah, DiCaprio Boodle finally get his chance? 
I, I think he's got some of the same issues that, you know, the size, um, you know, you saw him get beat pretty bad on a post in the commander's game and stuff like that. Um, I think, I think it comes down to Johnson or, or Lamont's and, and whether they feel like Johnson can, uh, can contribute right away and can be a special teams guy, or do they need Lamont's on there for special teams and think they can sneak Nazi Johnson on the practice squad? I think that's the decision that they're making on that last secondary spot. And at least from, from what I've seen. Yeah. And, and the numbers in the number two game, Watson had 27 snaps on defense, five on special. Um, when you look at Nazi Johnson, 16 in defense, seven on special. And then uh, Chris Lamont's, he had 30 on defense and 10 on special teams. Yeah. Like they, they already know what Chris, Chris uh, Lamont's is as, right. a, as a special team, or they already know that. It's just a matter of corner wise, if he is he where they need him to be, or is there, or can Watson, you know, can or Watson or Johnson? And then uh, let me find, uh, let's see if I can Caprio. find him. Yeah. Um, Okay, he had 33 on defense and six on special. So uh, this last game will be really interesting to see what each one does special teams-wise because whoever gets the most is who they're trying to, I think, trying to make a decision on with that last spot. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think, again, I think they're in good shape. I mean, I think they've got guys who can contribute and can play, and they'll be all right. So, all right, anything else? Um, I mean, we're finally... It looks like we finally got Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes healthy for a Chiefs Packers game, and I would be stunned if either one of them playing this one either. So yeah, no, they ain't playing. <laughs> they ain't playing this one, nor should they. Um, I, what I will say, yesterday is the 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 hit that Mahomes took when that blitz was coming off uh, off his right side that he threw to Watson for the 40, 50 yard pickup there. What's the underappreciated part of that is he threw that ball to the spot he knew Watson was going to be at. Yeah. Watson was still a solid seven yards away from that, you know, that diagonal crossing route, the way that it was going. Like he was still, and Mahomes threw that right before the blitz, knew he was taking that hit and put it in that spot and was able to let Watson catch a stride for stride and run with it. Like that's, that's invaluable what that was able to be and how much confidence that provided for both of those guys and what they can do in the, in this offense. So, I mean, that, that play really, that, that play really stuck out to me. There were a couple others I had marked, but um, I, you know, I've I forgot them since we didn't do the podcast <laughs> last night. Should have should have wrote them down, but I uh, I was watching the Manti Teo a documentary on Netflix, so I uh, I got caught up in that after uh, after watching the preseason game. Yeah, and I I was at Starlight watching Sister Act, so um, definitely completely different nights that we had, Todd. Yes, 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 yes. So, but yeah, I hope it was um, everything you thought it was at Starlight. Uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I mean, I used to go with my mom and then, uh, you know, yeah. there were some people when I couldn't go, um, that would step up, you know, you know, my wife would go sometimes another, uh, an, a friend's mom would sometimes go. And so I took her last night to, to the show. Um, you know, so it was a good time. I, I enjoyed it. Um, little date night with another, you know, another, another lady in my life who's been somewhat of a mother to me at times. So, uh, don't you talk um, about my mom like that, Todd? <laughs> no, Trudy's <laughs> welcome to come. Um, I'd, I'd love to take Trudy to Starlight sometime. Um, nope. nope, not gonna allow it. <laughs> I've got her number. Right? It's not a. It's not up to you. <laughs> yeah, it's probably very true. So my mom's but, gonna think you're a delightful man. It's that's right. Awful. That's right. That's right. She's gonna be like Nick should really give you a hug. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Well, I got nothing else. Um, you know, and I got to I got to I got to 
Yeah, and we'll and yep, and we'll let everybody know. We'll, we're trying to do one after the games over on Thursday night, potentially. Yeah. Maybe it may end up being Friday morning, depending on what, <laughs> how, how, things, uh, how things end up going. But yes, we'll it see. will probably be end up being Friday morning. But uh, we'll get something out there, and then uh, then we'll go through fifty three man roster and and uh, the interminable wait now between the last preseason game and the and the regular season opener. Uh, I, could, I, I could use the break. <laughs> the pre-post has worn me out that's for the true. past two weeks. Because if everybody's noticed, you're used to seeing my tweets during a game, and you've seen absolutely nothing. Like so, that that happens when you're putting a post-game show yeah, together. Just, you've been busy. Yeah, no, that <laughs> happens because you. I like. I. I don't even get to truly watch a game till after, after I get home that night, and that I'm not going to pretend that doesn't bother me not being able to kind of know what's going on to be able to break it down in depth. Yeah, but that's life. That's all right. The, the Arizona game's coming soon enough, and, uh, and you'll be back to regularly scheduled programming. I hope so. I don't know, man. <laughs> you never know. The curveball's <laughs> life throws at you, man. So, all right, man. Um, well, I got nothing else. Um, so, you know, unless you want to hug it out. I bid you adieu, Tom. Take care, kids. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>